What's up everyone and welcome to episode 83 of the Justin Inside Podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, speak to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, first of all, just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that checked out last week's episode with uh, Alexis Marshall from Daughters. Uh, I know it brought a lot of new ears to the show um, and the response was incredible, so much so it helped us become uh, the 120th ranked most popular music podcast in the USA now I know that doesn't sound like a lot but there are literally hundreds maybe thousands of music podcasts out there in the world um so to get that ranking is is pretty crazy so yeah thank you again for all your continued support to everyone that subscribes to this show listens to this show shares the show whatever you do it's really appreciated um if you if this show is the first one you're coming to please as always if whatever platform you're listening to it on whether it be apple Podcasts, spotify now uh soundcloud please hit the subscribe button give us a little rating give us a little review it will boost us up a little bit more which would be wonderful um yeah but as a as i say when i started this show uh nearly two years ago now didn't really know what to expect knowing me would think I'd give up with it after a couple of months but we're now fast approaching episode 100 um, and I'm getting the opportunity to to speak to some pretty incredible guests people that I never thought I'd get on this show so yeah it's 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 exciting times over here at Justin Insight HQ so thanks again big thumbs up to, to everyone who's been listening um, I'm going to forego talking about my week in review because there's literally nothing of note for me to mention so I'm going to go straight into to this week's news uh, firstly one of the things that I got excited about and then realised very quickly it wasn't what I thought it was uh, one of the most popular hardcore bands around at the moment Knock Loose uh, they released a new video um, it's for the track Rain which is off the critically acclaimed uh, Laughter Tracks now when this dropped into my inbox saying uh, well with the headline new Knocked Loose um, I obviously thought it was going to be new material, but no, uh, the band have said this is going to be the last release off of this cycle from Laughter Tracks. So, fingers crossed, it could mean that we're finally going to hear some new music from the uh, Oldham County Bound uh, in the not-too-distant future, which, fingers crossed, I, I I love that record, but come on guys give us give us something new but yeah you can watch the the view the youtube the video on youtube if you so wish uh just head over there type in not least uh rain and it'll come up uh second thing that i want to draw everyone's attention to uh one of my favorite screamo bands at the moment uh Chivire, uh from france this week announced that they have uh, released a new split uh ep uh, with the band called, I hope I'm saying this right, right, Bastos, Bastos, it's B-A-S-T-O-S, if anyone's interested, but yeah, um, two tracks from from Shaviro, two tracks from Bastos, uh, really cool little EP, um, I think they're doing a physical run, but all the money from the digital sales from, from the split uh, go towards running a new DIY space in Nantes, which is where Shaviro are from, uh, so any support for, for DIY culture is great support so if that's your kind of thing uh, you can head over to shivire.bandcamp.com uh, uh, and the details are on there for you and finally uh, I'm being a bit preemptive with this preemptive I think that's what I mean uh, on this one 
because I'm recording my intro on a Saturday night again, uh, but was announced yesterday or Friday? I can't remember. At some point in the week gone by, Ithaca announced that on Monday, which was yesterday, that by the time you'll be hearing this, um, they're going to be announcing some album-related news. So one can assume that it's going to be the release date of their much-anticipated full-length album. Um, So yeah, head over to Ithaca's Facebook page for full details. I'm sure they will be out by the time you listen to this. Um, Right, should we get on to a guest? Uh, And this week I am joined by bassist and vocalist of The Winter Passing, uh, Rob Flynn. I say bassist like that because I introduce him as the guitarist, not realising that he'd switched to bass uh, ahead of the little run of shows that they were doing. Um, I caught up with Rob when The Winter Passing was supporting uh, the Dirty Nil in Southampton a few weeks ago. Uh, we discussed his early obsession with Hanson. Who who knew um, how they kind of were a big musical influence on him? Uh, having how it was for for him and others having to tra- travel from Tipperary to Dublin to, to kind of get involved in the DIY sort of hardcore scene, putting on shows himself, um, and how kind of coming from a musical family background helped himself and his sister Kate, who is also in the winter passing, uh, grow together as musicians and kind of help each other sort of become more confident on on stage and obviously has led to, to what the winter passing are doing now um so yeah there we go enjoy with the chat that i have with rob and i'll see you on the other side back on the roof of the joiners first time i've been here in a in a long time with uh, vocalist and guitarist of the winter passing rob flynn rob thank you very much for joining me no uh, how was the the trip across across the channel what the channel uh, to see you, I well guess. we flew this time yeah yeah thanks very much for having me on That's the show all, right. all that um yeah today was like really easy um traveling for us yeah. usually we take like a ferry okay uh, so we just flew in today and every time that we like get um a flight we usually go at like 5 a.m or 6 a.m because it's like 10 pounds cheaper or whatever to fly <laughs> yeah. at that time uh, so today we flew at 12 and it was lovely just waking up normal having breakfast shower doing everything normal and like not being totally wasted yeah, before yeah. you get to the first show so yeah i'm feeling great today so actually, how many for once days are you doing with we're only doing two yeah yeah cool. yeah we're doing two uh with them on this and then trip yeah later on in the year you've got we've Kissippi. got a tour yeah we're doing kissippi tancred full uk tour in november can't wait for that awesome. as well yeah and as i said before kind of i hit the the record button the show's called Just an Insight, so yeah. I like to get an insight of what, what got you into music. So what was your kind of first exposure to alternative music? Cool. Uh, let's do a mad throwback here. <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. Yeah. I, I like a throwback. So, like, the first band that I was ever intrigued by, um, pre-alternative life, was Spice Girls. When nice. I was like uh, to be fair, I was quite similar. Six. Like, Spice Girls and Blair were my... Yeah. Were my like, in the very beginning now, I actually wouldn't tell people this, <laughs> but I, I'm, it's 2018 now, so I might as well tell the musical trail exactly <laughs> yeah. how it was. So I was, like, obsessed with them for some reason for, like, a year or so. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were the biggest band on the planet oh, at yeah, one point. There was a movie and, and things like that. Then after that, I discovered a band called Hanson. And Hanson... <laughs> yeah literally changed my life okay that's uh, cool like they, they were so influential towards me i used to watch their music videos on 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 the television all the time and like i like they were like rollerblading in a video and i was like i'm getting rollerblades and the most intriguing thing about the band was uh their drummer 
um, Zach Hansen. He was like, ter- I'm impressed you can like, still remember his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I actually still, I still respect the hell out of Hansen. But yeah, like they played instruments and they were like young and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, wow! Like and like we come from a like really musical background, family anyway. So like kind of uh, my first instrument was drums, and I actually wanted to learn how to play drums because okay. I love like Hansen so much. Yeah, yeah. So my mom got me like you know, like just a basic drum kit yeah, for Christmas yeah. one year. And I started to learn how to play it. Uh, and I'm like traditionally right-handed. Right. Um, but I got a VHS of a live Hansen concert. Uh, this I'm literally about seven years old yeah. during all of this. And uh, I noticed that Zach Hansen was playing the drums left-handed. I was okay. like, oh, well, I've obviously been doing this wrong all along. <laughs> Let's teach myself how to... That's incredible. So I literally like literally started playing drums left-handed and kind of got stuck with that ever since okay like so so like i was obsessed with hansen for like two three years like when they were at like the top of the world back in the 90s or whatever when music was music was the biggest thing in the world back in the 90s or whatever then about the time that i got to about 10 years of age i had like some older cousins and like um cool people yeah, yeah older people in my life and stuff and they like were like Metallica and Blink-182 teaching stuff like that and then like probably the first heavy band that I ever like got properly intrigued by was Iron Maiden nice and uh Iron Ma- I just love like the theatrical feel and look and aesthetic of the band like obviously the covers was like really appealing yeah, I, I yeah. don't know I suppose like when you're like super young I was just intrigued by like their artwork and like didn't really fully comprehend their music but knew that I liked it and then from Iron Maiden I started to listen to Metallica and I was obsessed with both those bands for a long time and then kind of found Blink-182 and Green Day simultaneously in that time so I would say that those four bands from the time that I was about 10 years of age uh, made me a full full got I would say at the time (laughs) you know and like that encouraged me to like learn guitar so when I was about that age I like started to learn when I was about 10 11 I started to learn how to play guitar Um, I still remember spending like 12 hours trying to learn how to play the riff at the start of what's my age again yeah so yeah and then from there it just like obviously escalated I was in like maybe in in Ireland we call uh, your first school that you go to primary school right yeah what you guys call it some call it primary some call it junior junior school yeah so primary school and then you go to secondary school after that so I was in like the last year of of primary school and like we I had some friends who were listening to like metal and rock and things like that and obviously like every good band in the book like Limp Bizkit, Deftones, Newfound Glory, Marilyn Manson we 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 loved it then I went into secondary school yeah. which high school in in the UK and for the first six months I decided I don't want everybody to know that I like I'm a rock dude or whatever okay. I just want to like I was the opposite so I like when I kind of got my identity, I was like, right now I can I can wear my okay. arm sleeve. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I was just scared. Like I was, um, I feel in my adult life I'm like really like outspoken. I'm like not shy about giving yeah, my opinion yeah. or whatever. But like when I was a young fella, like I was like really shy. So I spent the first six months like wearing like navy tracksuit bottoms. I liked football as well. Yeah, like so yeah. that was kind of like my. Uh, stay away from a beat and not get too many bullions and stuff <laughs> yeah. but then I kind of came into myself a little bit more because I was meeting new people in in secondary school where like they were they were open about like their uh, emo lifestyle yeah, or whatever yeah. so uh, six six months into secondary school I was like I want to 
miss like wearing like my Nirvana hoodie yeah. like in my Nirvana hoodie like I would wear a Nirvana hoodie if I was like leaving my hometown like for a day or whatever I was like look I need to be true to myself yeah and uh, yeah it's like literally like start wearing my Nirvana hoodie to school and then like got like mad stick off of like my football mates <laughs> but then I started to like uh, um, play some music and like like make like little bands or whatever yeah, in school yeah. like do cover bands like cover trivium and things nice. like that at the time yeah yeah um, and it just escalated like honestly from like 12 years of age I would say I never wasn't not playing music yeah. or I still remember that six month period where I was just like I gotta get real with myself like yeah. I gotta because I, like I, I was like quite sporty I played football all through growing up but like I love skateboarding and, yeah, and yeah. the alternative culture that we're kind of yeah. speaking of you know so yeah I think it sounds quite similar to, to myself because I was like dad uh, bought me up sort of like going to football and stuff nice. like was a season ticket holder to our lo- for our local football nice. team for years and then college I started sort of wearing skinny jeans screwing my hair out a little yeah, bit and yeah. things like that and then when I went to university that was like fully right okay no I'm fully involved in this sort of yeah. DIY scene yeah, so it like, sort of a similar kind of thing yeah um, in terms of kind of music that you're kind of playing now when did you sort of start gravitating towards okay. that sort of thing so I suppose <clears throat> I've just documented kind of my early teens we started we did cover bands we used to kind of put on local gigs in a community hall it was fun I knew that like I had a passion like mm. a, a flair for it I knew that I'd probably never not be playing or doing something music wise I suppose that like and obviously with like growing up like and even at that age my mind and music vocabulary started to expand and grow yeah. so I started to kind of I was obsessed with emo music from first from first to last. Yeah. Baltimore Heights, brand new at the time. They were like all my favorite <laughs> yeah. bands in the world. I love you added that at the time. At the time for <laughs> yeah. brand new, yeah, they broke my heart unfortunately. And then around the time I turned sixteen, I had an older friend who started. He had he was like two years older than me. He had just moved to Dublin to start university. Right. He was like, oh, I'm going to hardcore punk gigs. I was like, what do you mean? Like, well, bands that in Dublin that sound like Comeback Hit or something. He's like, yeah, but like comeback here aren't even cool man it's like the cool band is like have her and like and he started to like tell him, give me all this hardcore punk knowledge because uh, honestly my whole whole way through my life obviously we're not exposed to music in the same way that we are now I find a new of band course, almost yeah, every yeah. day of the week but like back then it was like mainstream music that you knew and then like you're you're um, dipping into the subculture would have come through Tony Hawk's Pro Skater soundtracks yeah, or yeah, even yeah. FIFA soundtracks and you'd find like I don't know I discovered like Interpol on FIFA and I yeah. discovered like Dead Candies and Black Flag on like uh, Tony Hawk's soundtracks that started to explore my mind and then by the time I was like 16, 17 I was like really intrigued by like heavy music and stuff yeah. and obviously my friend Adrian was like and Adrian Leamy from like the next time whenever used to go to like gigs all the time and I was like I gotta start going so me and Collie from Winter Pass and around the time I was 17 started going up and down to Dublin all the time for yeah. gigs we seen like we seen Guns Up play all the big Boston oh, hardcore bands I'm so jealous of that Verse play um, see, they were like guns out with the one I didn't see. So have heart, I saw yeah. countless times. Cause they're like my favorite band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, I saw a couple of times, but yeah, guns out were the one that yeah. escaped me. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a great time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like hardcore at the time in Dublin was like so big and massive, massive influence on us all, and it kind of like changed the game. That's like as you just mentioned your 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 how your introduction to DIY punk. Yeah. That was mine. Before that, it was like mainstream music and odd. Oh, the, the guys in the band are rock stars or yeah, whatever yeah. whereas like when when i was this, when i realized 
experience it at the first time I ever went to a gig I was like whoa these are just normal people yeah yeah this was like there was less of like a show act it was just like just get up and play your guitars yeah. and all that and then with like uh, the fascination with hardcore uh, there was like a rise in bands like such as Room for Cover was kicking off. Yeah, yeah. bands like Man Overboard, Title Fight, and then I started to get like my flair for pop punk music yeah. back again, and like kind of held pop punk and hardcore like close to my heart. Still to this day, yeah, but like yeah. at the time it was like everything. Uh, and around that time, me and Jamie from Winter Pass, and we started our first pop punk band. We started gigging around Ireland or whatever, and trying to be as DIY as possible. We like tried to put on gigs and invite bands from Dublin and then one time went in, I can't even remember the year, I was 17 at the time, but we had an opportunity to put on the Wonder Years oh, in our hometown. Well, sorry, the next town over to our hometown. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a bigger town in, in, in it's called Port Leash. It's a small town. Yeah. It was quite a historic thing really that the Wonder Years came and played there. And then we put on that gig and um, we kind of got invited to play shows in Dublin out of respect maybe that we had yeah, went to the effort yeah, of yeah. doing that. Uh, and we started, so that was kind of our introduction. We pawned the Wonder Years in, in uh, the middle of Ireland, then they played Dublin the next night, and we like kind of created a lot of friendships. And yeah. like that was, I would say, our introduction into like the Dublin DIY yeah. scene. We started to get booked for shows, and then we predominantly only played Dublin for years after that. Uh, that was like a big turning point for myself and Jamie. Yeah. Uh, that band fizzled out. We moved off to college. I played in like heavy bands. Um, for a number of years and uh, myself and Jamie never were not playing music together yeah. so to speak he's my best friend since the beginning and just out of nowhere we uh, decided to do a band we we're like yo let's do a band that's like definitely not a pop punk band <laughs> yeah. but like a little bit different obviously we're still going to be like something like melodic yeah. something punk but like let's give it like more of an emo feel or something yeah, yeah. Obviously, we were like heavily influenced by bands like Title Fight, Basement, um, Balance Composure, like that new wave of emo yeah, bands yeah. that kind of hit. Like we were on that really early. In fact, like I actually seen Basement's first ever gig. They played in Dublin under oh, wow. a different name back in the day yeah, yeah. at a hardcore festival. They were called In This For Fun, and then they went back. So like Basement, I would say were a big influence around that time with just yo, like they're a band, they're doing their thing. So we kind of like started doing the same thing yeah, ourselves. Yeah. We had started college, we start, we wrote a demo, released it in like 2012, invited my younger sister Kate to join the band, and then sonically got like kind of something together. Yeah, yeah. A creative um, project that we could uh, move forward with. And obviously through putting on gigs, playing in bands, being friends with bands who had toured like overseas in different countries and things, I knew then that I was like, yo, we're going to book a tour, we're going to go over to yeah, the UK. Yeah. So Winter Passing did their first ever tour in 2012 with a band called Forest from South Wales. Oh, yeah, Some yeah, really, course, yeah. really close friends of ours. We later went on and released like a split release with them. And then literally through touring, uh, it just opened up many, many doors. Like we released our first DIY 7 inch. Yeah in 2013 through friends who had like put us on shows and like shown interest in the band and I suppose here we are now all these years <laughs> yeah. later but I think that's I think that's a pretty good description yeah, of, my, yeah. of my journey to, to now I'm going to backtrack a bit you, you mentioned obviously you kind of growing up sort of there was always music kind of in your family obviously yeah. you and your sister now playing yeah. in the band together so were your parents sort of very kind of encouraging of yeah, that sort for of sure. side of things and obviously you mentioned first off going drums so how did you transfer from drums to guitar 
So, yeah, my parents were super supportive. My dad is a musician himself. He's a fantastic singer. He plays, like, kind of on, uh, like, plays in pubs, kind of like show okay. band music or whatever. It's yeah, country yeah, yeah. music and things like that. So, but he's, he's an incredible, he's an incredible singer. And I think in my adult life, I look back and, like, nothing but, like, respect. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I was like, oh, man, the music you play is so not cool, <laughs> yeah. that, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, they were always supportive. My, uh, my mother and father, like, funded every single piece of music that, like, put us through guitar, drum lessons, piano lessons. Yeah. Um, basically, I, I played drums for years. I still do play drums, more of a, just more like a hobby. I've never actually yeah, really yeah. played drums in a band. I've recorded drums, but I've never actually played live usually because there's like four drummers and like you need to make up a band like everybody wants to play a drum sometimes but so uh, obviously that's the complete opposite Dr here drummers are like gold dust yeah well it's kind of like that now in yeah, modern yeah. day at the moment but back in the day all of our little group of friends in our hometown in Tipperary there was like 10 drummers and like one bass player <laughs> things like this so yeah I, I was intrigued by learning guitar my mother put me into guitar lessons we were uh, and then me and my sister uh, were put into piano lessons then I was getting way too obsessed with the guitar I had worked out how to read guitar tab game changer yeah. at the time uh, and then I was like no I don't want to play piano and all so okay continue the piano yeah. but I was like I'm just gonna play like rock music on my guitar or whatever. And honestly, to this day, I still regret like leaving piano lessons because it would have been super helpful. And I'm intrigued as hell by piano nowadays oh, as, as a musician or whatever. Can... Yeah, I can play like <laughs> I can play like few things. I always um, yeah, I don't know. I might like try and learn something to play as a joke when we're sound checking or something sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, I just regret not kind of going through like the, the motions with piano because it's a very intriguing yeah, instrument. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose like moving on to guitar, I just moved on to guitar because like uh, it was like super appealing at the time, and like the majority of my heroes at the time were the frontmen in the band yeah, or something yeah. like that. So maybe I kind of fancied myself as a, a frontman, like wanted to get up from behind the drum yeah, player or whatever yeah. I always kind of affiliated like the leader role in the band the one that kind of organised things or like said oh we're like let's go and do this or whatever you know and still today I'm still kind of that person <laughs> the one that gives everybody a kick up the arse to go and do something <laughs> yeah yeah um, and in fact you've obviously mentioned kind of getting into like the Dublin sort of scene but yeah in the because it was around Tipperary you grew up yeah, we yeah. Were, it's right in the middle of Ireland yeah so yeah. Was there much of like a music scene there, or was it a case that you had to travel to, to Dublin to find music? Uh, yeah, like let's say if like an international tour came to Ireland, yeah. it only ever really came to Dublin or Belfast, and like Dublin would be the f first pro. Like if if there was a big touring band playing, they'd only be playing Dublin regardless, yeah. kind of thing. Unless it was like a particular band who are massive in Ireland for some reason did a full tour or yeah. something but it's always just Dublin so that would have been our point for a big gig or whatever but we did have a nice little collect of, of like kind of like punks and emos in our little small town down the country it was more it, not even punks or emos just like alternative kids like yeah. kids that who liked everything from like heavy metal to like soft music but like labelled themselves as alternative or whatever and it was a nice little click and they were like all of like my best friends really growing up and stuff so I was fortunate enough to have enough people around me to feel comfortable in myself because obviously like you don't really feel comfortable in yourself yeah, yeah, like, you're still working yourself out the whole way through your teens I think so I had like a good lot of support from similar like minded people who all ventured off in some type of creative yeah, yeah. format outlet as as time went on like i did myself or whatever but uh 
Yeah, it was like Dublin's always where you went for a show, basically. So we were always up and down. Yeah, yeah. Always like carpooling or like getting <laughs> yeah. buses up and down to Dublin because it was like literally a show on every seven days. Yeah, yeah. You used to like spend like your 40 euros allowance that you would have for the week from your parents or like your your one four and a half hour shift in a supermarket money. You would spend it all on going to a gig because that's what <laughs> yeah, meant that's you. Literally, you'd, you'd have like an apple, a banana, and a sandwich, and a bottle of water in a bag, and you're going to Dublin today because like the only money you had was the money for the bus and the money into the gig yeah, itself. Yeah. Mental. <laughs> and you obviously mentioned earlier, kind of you and Jamie have sort of been in various bands yeah. t- together. But obviously, going back to the kind of musical family element of it, uh, prior to Wind's passing, had you and Kate ever sort of performed together or sort of tried things out? Yeah, like we... we um, we used to always like I would play guitar and Kate would like sing. Kate was always like um, super shy about ever performing in front of people for a long time. And then our yeah, we used to kind of do like acoustic gigs at like family events, yeah. not not gigs, literally a performance <laughs> yeah. of a song or whatever. One of the big ones was uh, we would like duet on um, Nine Crimes by Damien Rice nice. and Lisa Hannigan. So Kate would play the piano and I would follow it with yeah. the chords. I'd take the verses, she'd take the chorus. That was like our party piece for years. We used to work in a hotel together as well. And like, you, you know, you'd finish like a, a shift on a Saturday night, it'd be like two, three o'clock in the morning and we'd all stay back for a drink together, all the staff, and it'd be like, oh, Robin Kay, play, play Damien Rice and, <laughs> and Lisa Hannigan for us. Go on, one more time. So I think that, that kind of helped Kate like with her, um, uh, confidence issues yeah, maybe yeah. In the and just like performing in front of anybody that wasn't me or my mum or dad yeah. Um, but yeah we always did for years like in, in the bathroom because the bathroom had crazy good acoustics <laughs> yeah. well that's what they used to tell you years ago but then I said that to a like a recording engineer one time he was You're like, like no. <laughs> no like the bathroom is not good for acoustics contrary to every dude with an acoustic guitar singing these songs <laughs> who likes the sound of his voice in a bathroom or whatever funny and in terms of kind of you being a vocalist, I guess something I haven't really touched on, because obviously you and Kate share, share the load yeah. in the winter passing, and you mentioned earlier sort of being drawn to, to the front man sort of aspect yeah. of bands. Yeah. So was in those early days, did you ever kind of think, oh, I want to be a front man? Or has it just been sort of since you've been in the winter passing that, that that's kind of evolved? Yeah, like I... That's a very interesting question. Um, I was the front person in that pop punk band right, previous okay. to that or whatever. Um, and with Kate, with us starting the Winter Passing, it was always meant to be. It was always meant to be a thing where it'd be like, right, Kate will come and Kate will be the singer, right? Okay. And we'll play the guitars and whatnot, and that'll be it or whatever. But um, in the beginning, it was like a confidence thing, really. Like Kate has a fantastic voice, but like was like scared maybe to sing out so I would be like look I'm going to take like some parts and yeah, yeah. so when we were recording like the original idea was that Kate would sing all the vocals and then we were like I think there's a safer bet maybe if I sing some as well and then like through that experience and going and playing shows and, and going touring and kind of playing back to back we discovered that like we complement each other quite well yeah. and that like you know like I would I'm, I'm my sister's biggest fan I've always like been behind her 100% from the get go and always want their best for her but like I've been given loads of compliments over the years <laughs> also and I'm like okay maybe I'll keep singing too Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah that's kind of the way that it's like sonically worked out over all the years every single time that we've went to like track a record or an album or, or something we've just kind of ended up splitting the load and we yeah. kind of like collaboratively 
uh, finish songs together as well. Like Kate might write a full song that we like put together, and then I might like uh, throw in some of my writings into the song, and vice versa. And sometimes we like literally put songs together based on like uh, memoirs that we yeah. have wrote down, things like that. Um, I I definitely I I like singing too. Um, but I. Yeah, that's just the way it rolled out, basically. It's, <laughs> it just rolled out like that. We both basically like started yeah. um, singing as well. And in the sort of early days of, of the wind's passing, you mentioned like you kind of had that feeling that this could sort of go somewhere, and and obviously it has. It has I suppose, done. yeah, yeah. Um, but when was there a moment that kind of you felt? There was, was there a moment when you clicked and you thought, oh, we can go to the UK and do tour. Oh, we can go to America yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I suppose like there's been like little milestones and things that we've ticked off along mm. the years. We've been around for about six years now, on and off, like very much a part-time band, but we've been active throughout those six yeah. years. Um, little milestones, like I suppose, like in the beginning, I always knew that like when we started Winter Pass, and I was like. I'll be able to book us gigs in Dublin and I'll yeah. be able to bring us on a DIY tour because I just have enough friends from helping people out at yeah, this point yeah. or whatever. So we, I, I did kind of uh, confidently know that we would, we were going to do something of some description and obviously that first tour was a mad milestone to achieve yeah. or whatever. Releasing our first 7-inch was like a big milestone to achieve. Um, but what we also discovered from like doing things is like the more things that you do, the more people that you meet and the more people want to help you out then yeah, in yeah. return on the next trip around yeah. or whatever. That's basically how we're back here tonight in Southampton. <laughs> yeah. like we met Ricky in 2016 and we've stayed in touch. He's a yeah, good guy. Yeah. He's been super supportive of the band. We've tried to get back here to Southampton two or three times and I'm fucking glad that we're here tonight. Yeah. Like, so shout out to Ricky for bringing us back here. Yeah. And in terms of kind of, yourself kind of going out on the road on tour obviously you said kind of traveling to dublin doing shows and doing shows yeah. around the island but was your kind of first exposure of like quote unquote a big tour within the winter passing or have you done stuff prior we had like we have done tours of different magnitudes we've mm. done bigger tours and we've done small diy tours but i think what maybe gave us like a little bit of a confidence kick is that when we started the band some friends of ours used to put on the touring emo bands that yeah. would come true. So we would be in the line to have the opportunity. Like, obviously, there's only a handful of emo bands really in Ireland. So we were in a great place to, like, let's say, you know, we opened for the Menzingers and Tiger's Jaw oh, wow. in 2013. And, like, I was, like, that was one of our first big big shows ever. Yeah. And I was, like, we've met it, you know? Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, they're, that's our favourite bands or whatever at the time and stuff. So I suppose what you would gain from that is confidence like the idea of playing in front of more people because like i don't know sometimes we would like we would start a tour by playing with like the menzingers at that gig in dublin obviously it's like very busy show yeah, renowned yeah. punk bands or whatever and then the next night be like in ipswich playing to like two people yeah, on the yeah. first night of a tour or whatever so like you learn from you learn your confidence builds basically and we've always set a rule whereas like look the gigs where people show up to it they're the easy ones mm. it's the ones where nobody shows up is like rock twice as hard that night yeah, have yeah. more fun that night don't like don't we were strongly since the very beginning be like don't go on like a rock star <laughs> ever <laughs> even if like even if we are like literally you turn on the telly and we're on MTV it's like don't even don't play up like to the role of like yeah, I'm yeah. in a band man or whatever like because that's just not us you know yeah. so suppose we develop confidence from 
having the support of uh, the music community in Dublin. So like, and then like for instance, we like we've done some bigger support tours as the years went on. We opened up for Moose Blood and yeah. Modern Baseball and the Front Bottoms and. So we were a little bit more prepared going into those shows because we were like, look, it's basically like a big Dublin gig or whatever. Like, mm. obviously we were nervous as hell because like rooms are full, like yeah, yeah. really full, like way too many people at the gigs. So we were like, look, it's kind of like a Dublin gig. Like, I suppose like you you, you learn from every experience yeah. within a band or whatever. But in terms of kind of the, I guess going back to the very first tour that you guys did. Yeah. Like, was it kind of a, an interesting dynamic? Because obviously again going back to sort of you said you've been in bands with Jamie but yeah. maybe not been in that close proximity for that amount of yeah. time same with your sister obviously yeah. you grew up with her but being in a, cooped in a band it can be very different yeah so, it's different yeah. so was it quite quite an interesting sort of learning curve going out that first time uh, it was because like Kate, Kate at the time like I was 21 when we started touring with the band Kate was 18 she was in her first year at university so she was like um much different than she is nowadays she's like super like growing up and confident in her own way mature maybe back then she was different and like let's say that was me and Kate's first time living apart I was living in Dublin she lived in Waterford which is another university town in Ireland Um, I think if anything him what it did is like brought us closer yeah and like kind of like we developed our relationship as brother and sister way better than when we were growing up because we would argue like quite a lot growing oh, okay. up like we were best mates and all but we would argue the toss <laughs> yeah. out of it all the time so I think that like let's say being in a band respecting each other's like personal space because sometimes like yeah like let's say today I'm, I'm like so happy to be here and so happy yeah. playing show like mad vibes nice to hang out with friends sometimes you're just not in a good mood yeah, on that particular yeah. day and everybody needs to be respectful of everybody yeah. of emotions and feelings and, and and things like that so i really think that like the band has like really developed in in the best way possible our our relationships with everybody in the band yeah. really like everybody even like our drummer kev who is only been in the band for like two and a half years he always like he's on the same page as he kind of thinks that he's like you've really looked after me and i was like you we all look after each other yeah, kind of yeah. thing you know and like be super respectful because I've heard 101 horror stories, you know? <laughs> so I yeah. kind of want to do it as best and as right as possible yeah, while yeah. we're doing it, you know? And for, for me, and obviously a lot of people, their kind of maybe first exposure of you was when A Different Space of Mind came out. Yeah. And obviously that got picked up by um, 6131 yeah. and was kind of quite well towered around. So for sure. For, I don't want to kind of diminish the fact, but obviously for you being from a small town in Ireland, and to see that kind of blow up to an extent, what was that kind of experience like? That was another big, like what we were speaking about earlier, that was a massive, massive yeah. land, like landmark for the band or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a big landmark for the band because um, it's not really a thing where like, you see, like we've always had obstacles against us, Tim, like yeah. with the band for years growing up. One thing that we've always had is that like we're, we're not from Dublin. Like we were yeah, like yeah. many people would be like, Oh that Dublin band is yeah, like, yeah, yo, yeah. we're not from Dublin, like we're from Tipperary and all. So like Dubliners call everybody else outside of Dublin culties. It's like a, <laughs> okay. it's like a word to describe people outside of Dublin. Country people are called yeah. culties. So like it was almost like a taboo. It's like that culty emo band, <laughs> band signed to six one three one. Are you and they had like all heavy bands on the label and all at the time. We got mad respect off of like people who didn't really talk to us. Yeah, we yeah. would like we would go to hardcore gigs like well known 
hardcore bands in around Dublin, and all of a sudden they were like, "Yo, cool doesn't sound to that level, man. Yeah, it's like yeah. a, a big thing or whatever." And it, I, I think it was maybe like the format in which because like we we signed to the label and we announced like the album was coming out, but then our first premiere was on Noisy. Yeah. And Noisy is like a very big publication oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that again was another landmark and it just, it was really humbling and stuff at the time and it was really a game changer. It made us like start to take maybe the role of the band a little bit more seriously um, and, and focus on the longevity of it mm. opposed to like just having fun with any experience as in, we would like to continue this musical journey for as long as, as yeah. possible and like, strategies have been put in place for that and things like that um what was the question again just like how was it kind of like to see everything kind of yeah it was up, amazing I, I suppose it was like sort of, uh without sounding too corny it was the dream come true <laughs> yeah, so to speak yeah. as in that was like the point where we were like we fucking did what we wanted to do yeah it actually happened and like with like the hap that happening the album getting released we got to do kind of cool things like you know we played electric picnic which is like the major festival in ireland or yeah. whatever that was a big thing and like we did like tour on the east coast of america all all in a six-month period it was like <laughs> too much almost we were like this is crazy we like lost jobs as well because of it because it was um too much like it was just like literally we'd come back from a tour and then while this we were on one tour somebody else would say yo um do you want to go on yeah, tour yeah, in two yeah. months time and you're coming back from tour it's like well how was your tour it's like yeah i need two weeks <laughs> off there in a month's <laughs> yeah. time or whatever so it was it was yeah it was amazing i regret nothing not yeah, yeah. nothing and anything that stood in our way i don't regret anything because like we're here right now bro having a chat and all you know <laughs> yeah. and like honestly it keeps me sane the music because i work very very hard yeah. in my personal life and very focused at whatever the fuck that I go and do but like music is actually my mecca and I yeah, never yeah. actually want to lose that because it's so so important for my mental, no, 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 for I, my mental health I, I totally agree like my day job is like it's kind of what I want to do but it's not specifically sort yeah. of thing so like having the opportunity to to go to gigs play gigs to talk to people like yourself is kind of that sort of release of sort of like yeah for sure oh, okay there's nice in the world yeah for thing. sure yeah yeah um, and in terms of kind of writing, obviously, I know, obviously, sounds sort of evolved throughout the years, but something I always kind of find interesting when there's two vocalists in a band, especially where it is kind of a, a kind of a dual responsibility rather than one lead and a backing. Yeah. How does that kind of work in the writing process? Is it a case of that you and Kate work sort of simultaneously or do one of you come up with lyrics and then sit down and pan it out how does that kind of work it usually starts with a skeleton a riff of a song so like i don't know i might like pick up my guitar in the room and be like start playing like it there's two types of ways that i personally write it's based on i play like something like groovy on the guitar i'm like oh my god it sounds so cool and then i like <laughs> yeah. keep playing that for like forever almost and be like oh i can't think of any and then i'll take that riff to the band room and we'll like put this we'll churn out the song together Kev, our drummer, plays guitar as well, so he'd be like, oh, I have an idea. Everybody's super collaborative and whatnot together. Yeah, I can't remember what I was saying there. Playing, oh, yeah, sorry. So there's, yeah, sorry. There's like two different, there's like two different ways we write songs. Like basically sometimes there's a skeleton, like, and, or maybe like I've like just had some chords and have some, like I, I, I write down like a lot of feelings all the time. Mm. You, most of the stuff gets scrapped, never yeah. used. Like, but like sometimes, like let's say for instance, uh, our song Daisy, Daisy was like literally just wrote with a guitar and me singing all the thing and then just brought the whole song to practice. And I was like, right, 
these are the notes play the drums over it and that's yeah. how that song was wrote sometimes Kate will have like a, an individual organ part and then we'll write a whole song around that yeah. and then the other way is that we just like we could have like the skeleton of like three four songs all at once and then we'll like write out all the music and bash it out as a full band put in every single piece full band and then decide on the lyrics an hour before recording them in the studio <laughs> <laughs> that's happened once or twice before usually we're prepared but sometimes it's the pressure that actually finishes yeah, the song yeah. and uh, I don't actually regret anything then either like as in it, it usually comes together mm. we usually have enough uh, homework done to yeah. make a song come to life so to speak yeah and something that I've always kind of gravitated towards in, in music in general is kind of lyrics as I say sort of front man's always kind of been the focus for me and within your music the, the lyrics are very kind of open and sort yeah. of passionate and emotive and mm. everything like that so was that an important thing that both yourself and Kate wanted I don't want to say because you had that emo tag, but because I don't know, it just kind of seems to fit. Yeah, and I suppose it's just an organic thing as well, mm. as in like, as in it's like a lifetime of listening to particular types of music and things like that. That you like, like in 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 today now, if we were to have a conversation, like my musical trail has expanded majorly. Yeah. But like, it's like when you're writing a song, you're kind of you have an idea of like how it is gonna overall sound to begin with but like for me and for Kate and we've both said it on numerous occasions different interviews and literally just to each other is that like sometimes you just need to write it down the feelings how they are in real life because after they're in the song it's like you're letting go of it yeah you know now we have like we've obviously we're always like writing getting creative like with stuff we're kind of like trying to like write songs now from a different standpoint okay. to a different space of mind for example and um, more more like like what i actually said recently enough is that let's stop writing songs about death maybe for example and write songs about life yeah. and like think of like new topics and like new ways to phrase things but um i think it's just like the songs turned out the way that they were um and are because of like the influence that we've took our whole lives from yeah. like different bands and, and and things like that yeah and in terms of you mentioned kind of like writing something doing it and then kind of letting it go obviously a lot of people for mu music is a, like a cathartic sort of mm. process but again kind of going to that kind of emotive na nature of what you play is there a sense of that it's truly let go or because i guess like if you're singing about something like Obviously, I don't know specifics, but yeah. as you say, like mentioned death, like if it's yeah. about a certain person, yeah. and there's that third person, but then you're singing it on stage every yeah. day, is it kind of like a weird sort of juxtaposition? Uh, sometimes, like let's say you write a song with a particular feeling at a particular time, but then like the more that you like you play that song out loud multiple times in different venues in different countries, cities and stuff, you start to come to terms with whatever that was, yeah, yeah. like you know, like for example, like the song Daisy that we're possibly most known for as a band or whatever and um, that was like i literally wrote that song the night after my dog died and okay. like many people have experienced that and it's yeah, a thing yeah, yeah. but on it like and i was like so upset about it tim for like so so long i couldn't shake it off but honestly the song being there and we used to like we we've been playing daisy for about two years before like it was recorded oh, okay. and released and things like that and i think I don't, I, I don't know if I explained it properly, but that's kind of what I mean, as in, like, that helped me move past yeah, yeah. that feeling yeah, no, or whatever, that. you know? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I get that. And then, obviously, in terms of kind of where we are now, obviously, uh, had the EP released... 2017. Two, yeah. yeah. So, for as from a fan perspective, yeah. is there a second full length in, in the works? How, where are we kind of at the moment in terms of... As I said, recorded yeah. Material? Recorded material. Um, as I said, like, we're always writing songs and... We we definitely don't want to play the songs that like we actually currently play. We want to like play out like all the new ideas yeah, and yeah. things. So yeah, and like as I mentioned about longevity and stuff. So yeah, there definitely will be a second album. Um, we're currently writing it. Uh, release date? Absolutely no idea in hell. <laughs> the year three thousand. <laughs> the record will be released. But um, yeah, no, I know it won't be that long. It'll be like we we'll, we we have a record on the way, and yeah. we have new music on the way as well before that album perhaps yeah. as well yeah yeah there's loads there's loads of exciting things that only surface to everybody else months and months yeah, yeah, later yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. yeah and in terms of kind of you mentioned earlier like the the band is a part-time band you're not sort of sort of on the road 24 7 yeah. sort of thing we would like to but we're not in that position yeah. just yet to be a but full-time band obviously doing a bit of snooping that you have like a Bit of creative sort of background and sort of like what you do in day job sort of thing yeah. is, is quite creative so is there kind of that sense of okay i get to do the music part-time but i've still got a creative outlet in my normal life sort of thing that doesn't kind of make it mundane if that makes sense could you just say that question one more time yeah yeah, yeah sorry let's go do you, do you need to go i just want to tell Kate to stop singing no again. she's fine it's just really confusing. <laughs> I'm doing the interview out here. Stop singing. <laughs> Will you stop singing while we're doing the interview? Will you stop singing while we're doing the interview? Cool. Thanks, Kate. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was just saying, kind of like, in your sort of personal life, you've still got like a creative job and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so having that, does it kind of make sort of like normal life not so mundane that you're kind of always pressured in? Because I guess like if you were to do the the band full time, like it, I'm, I'm saying hopefully this wouldn't be the case, but you might do it and hate it sort of thing. Yeah. So is yeah, that yeah. because you've got that to fall back on that you've got when you do the band, it feels extra special sort of thing? That's it in a nutshell, bro. Like as in you get me. As in like... Um, <laughs> Like for me, we started the band and my only love, like I said in the very beginning of all this, the only thing that ever like brought me um, like the most passion was music, yeah. forever music. But like in my adult life, after like doing a degree, something off of music that I had no interest in at all, but like managed to get the degree and yeah. make my mom so, so happy that I did it, so, so proud. I discovered that like I was super intrigued by cutting hair okay. and it also like, really really helped me focus my mind because I have like I'm like my teachers in school even my lectures at university all said I was a daydreamer as in yeah, like yeah. very like very intelligent or whatever like a creative at writing or something like that but like isn't actually listening is in his own world a lot of the time <laughs> so I find that like I always think that like my job cutting hair actually helps me one focus uh, think about things slow down when I need to yeah um, but also it's like a really great creative outlet and I always say that like the the haircutting um, fuels the music and the music fuels oh, my okay, haircutting cool. yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. you know 
Uh, so yeah, I think so. Like literally, that in a nutshell. Yeah. As in, yeah, I would like, I like, you know, if if somebody like turned around and said, "Yo, TWP have eight months out on the road," I'd be like, "No problem. <laughs> See you there. Yeah, I'll yeah. be there." But I'm totally cool with like just doing life as is. Like yeah, as in, yeah. I'm very happy with like the t- style of band we are, the style, um, the the amount like because we're quite quite fortunate that like tonight we get to play with the Dirty Nil yeah. I fucking love the Dirty Nil yeah, I've seen yeah, them yeah. play in Gainesville for that fest two years ago so I'm like very privileged that we're here tonight doing that and stuff and that's cool like I, like we don't actually need to be out on tour I'm content with like normal life as well and I feel like yeah as you said like if we if like it was my full time requirement and uh, with all the nooks and crannies that come in between being a full time band yeah. I probably would not like being in a band then anymore yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. because like we we're in full control of like what we do ourselves sonically with the band and that's perfect for us or yeah. whatever i feel like if 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 there was too much pressure over us it would end up being not as enjoyable and yeah. more of a task than um a privilege and as i mentioned earlier obviously you managed to sort of obviously tour on the uk tour the states and things like that i guess kind of going all the way back being a sort of growing up in Tipperary yeah do, do the people sort of there kind of view not as like local heroes but is there kind of a sense of there are bands sort of thing like that you are a little bit, going yeah. out and around sort of thing a little bit yeah like as in like when we were talking about a different space of mine being released and yeah. like let's say for instance we picked up a little bit more hype out of that like yeah, more yeah. people like well, I know myself that like more listeners and things like that we got more attention as yeah. a band from that point um, it was so funny though because after we announced that we had signed to American label 6131 who we had I'm a massive fan of that label I've yeah, yeah. bought records off that label for years previous to us being on it and things like that um, it was a big thing for us but in the grand scheme of things it's an independent punk label yeah, that course. only like people in the know-how would know about to begin with <laughs> yeah. there was like this local paper called the Midland Tribune that documents news all across the Midlands right, of Ireland okay. and there was an article on like the second or third page and all in and it was like Tipperary band the winter pass and sign major record deal <laughs> with American label and like honestly I remember the the Christmas because obviously I live in Dublin so we go home to Tipperary for Christmas and everybody's at home at Christmas and you're like oh my god and, and you know we got we got featured in Hot Press which is like you know that's the Irish version of like the NME or right, the BBC okay, yeah, or something yeah. you know we were on 2FM that's the Irish version of the BBC and yeah, things yeah. like that so like all they could all they could see with their eyes is that oh my god like Robert Robert and Kaplan they're full rock stars now yeah, these days yeah, yeah. it was very humbling and hilarious to, <laughs> to be honest mate it was so gas for a while it's grand now like people like still like say to us oh you're still doing the music and things we're like yeah yeah a few gigs there now it's a little bit of like we're kind of just known for being music heads at this point yeah, yeah. but like we were we were um, baptized as music heads when a different stage of mind down the country anyway. Like it's very funny. Everybody's super supportive. Like there's no place like Ross Grant Tipperary yeah, yeah. where we came from, man. Yeah, yeah. It's it's true traditional Irishness, Perfect. so to speak. Yeah. I still I've, I keep meaning to go over to Ireland because I've got like yeah, family yeah. and stuff. Oh like really? Yeah. Just never never gone. You love it, man. You know you appreciate it when you get there. You know because obviously I meet like a lot of like world travellers working in a shop in the middle of Temple Bar every yeah, single day. Yeah and um they love it like it's it's great to see people's first impressions or whatever i mean we went on we were in europe last year on our first or last month on our first ever euro tour and we were kind of like 
the Americans come yeah, to Ireland yeah, for the yeah. first time or you when you come to Ireland for the first time <laughs> yeah. in, in Belgium and Germany were like oh my god everything's amazing yeah, or whatever yeah. you know I, I did that when I went to Europe for the first time it's yeah just, it, it, it is like, like that it's because everywhere you go is like different like yeah, oh yeah. wow this is new and cool or whatever cool Rob how I like to, to end things is to ask my guest um, what their favourite song is but with a bit of a twist so what is your favourite winter passing song that you like to play live and why ooh that's a sick question. <laughs> That's what I ended. Um, my favorite winter passing song is Paper Rabbit because it like it's just my favorite one that yeah. like we've ever brought and like it's groovy as hell on guitar to play. But I actually now play bass in winter passing, which oh, you're going to experience I do tonight. Yeah. So uh, since becoming the bass player in the band for just one month now, <laughs> yeah, it's just been one month. Uh, of gigging or whatever but like three months rehearsing yeah, yeah. and things like that uh, it's She Was A Rose it's another song off okay. of uh, it's another song off of Double Exposure yeah. and it's like so groovy um, we had we had our friend James Goodson who uh, works at 6131 yeah. he's in a band called Teen Death he, he recorded bass on the record and I remember like I was like yo so our original bass player Neil moved to Berlin uh, and I was like, yo, I'm moving to bass yeah. now because like, Neil lives in Berlin and stuff. I was like, why did you write such hard bass parts <laughs> that I absolutely can't sing and play bass to? But then I spent so long like trying to learn these songs, yeah, man. It was yeah. so hard as well. Like, like There's like full licks in the middle of like a guitar riff. And I was like, I didn't even know he played that because I'm just playing like a power chord over yeah, on the yeah. guitar. Uh, so I spent so long learning and stuff. And then by the time I was like, she was a rose is like my favorite song to play and since we came to a four piece jamie is like oh man she was a rose is so hard to play can we leave that out tonight i was like no way man <laughs> that that's work. the one for me yeah. like i ain't playing the set without she was a rose so it's funny so i'd say she was a rose is the best one for me to play live but my favorite winter passing song is pepper perfect, perfect rob thank you very much thank really you mate it. this has been fun thanks very much So there we have it folks, a massive thank you again to Rob for taking some time out ahead of the show to have a little chat with me uh, and for Kate for supplying some wonderful background singing that uh, annoyed Rob, I thought it was fine but yeah. Um, as mentioned in the chat, the Winter Passing will be back here in the UK in November touring with Kississippi, uh, which the dates are I believe a start of November, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but we'll put all the dates in the description of this episode of the podcast. Um, and as always, if you want to follow what the Winter Passing are doing, uh, you can follow them on all the various social media platforms, which once again will be in the description of this podcast. Um, that's it again for, for this week, folks. Just a little reminder, we do have a Patreon page, so if you do like the show, if you do want to just chip us a couple of quid here or there it really does help with the running of the show uh, as we look to expand so we'll again put the Patreon link in the description of the podcast um, but yeah thank you again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast as always and I'll see you soon